Welcome in to Two for One Drafts, PFF's new Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Austin Gale with Mike Renner. We've got a ton to go over today, but before I do that, we record every Tuesday and Thursday. You can see us on YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to download and subscribe. Let's dive into the schedule. Mm-hmm. First, we're going to talk about new players entering PFF's preseason, no, no, in-season now, 2020 draft guide. Yeah. Where we're going to talk about guys we're adding. We're adding 50 new players. These are players that have graded well to start the season and not really gaining any buzz nationally. But we're going to get him there. I think we'll get him there. And then mm-hmm. after that, we'll go into our What's on Tap segment where we talk about matchups to watch going into the weekend. And then we'll chug a prospect. We're going to chug Chase Young. Chase Young. We, we've already seen enough. You've said it. Yeah. I've said it. We've, we've seen, seen enough. enough. So we're going to chug a little young. Yeah. Chug. A, okay. Yes. <laughs> we'll do that. And then two closings off. We're going to go last call. Talk about the matchup we have to watch this weekend. If we're going to only watch one, this is the one we're going to watch. Let's dive into these new players. 50 new players added. Mm-hmm. Before we d- dive into any specific names, talk to me about this process, what you went through to get these guys in there. Yeah. So we already had 150 in the preseason one. Those guys are going to get a little bit of an update too in the upcoming guide with just what we saw from them. You know, what new stuff we've seen from them, some new data we've seen from them in 2019 here. But 50 new guys who... You like said 150 is not comprehensive enough. There's going to be a lot of guys that get overlooked, a lot of guys who didn't play enough snaps necessarily, and a lot of guys who just maybe are a different player this year than they were in years past. And so uh, 50 new names added to the list to get us to 200. We'll be up you know, in over 300 come next spring. But let's just give you guys a little bit of a taste because we want to give you – Want to produce as much draft content, give you guys, give you draft addicts like us as much uh, data and numbers, prospects to dive into here. Absolutely, and that draft guide is available to all Edge and Elite subscribers. Same with all of Mike Renner's content, the locked article content. Get it all; you need it. Okay, mm-hmm. the podcast is great, but you need this content. You need the preseason draft guide and in-season stuff. Let's dive into the first name on my list here, or our list. Washington offensive tackle Jared Hilbers, six foot seven, three hundred plus pounds. The guy can move. We watched the tape together this morning. Yes. Guy can move, very athletic. At first, maybe you're thinking he's a little soft, might be a little pillow. Mm. But you watch the run game. The guy's actually got a little juice. He's willing to hit some guys. Yeah, in the Cal game, eighty nine point three run grade has an eighty four point zero run grade for the year, eighty nine point zero overall through four games. Uh, filled in last year at left tackle when Trey Adams, you know, was injured. Comes this year at right tackle for them uh, is having uh, by far the best season of his career. Career. Uh, he looks like a legit prospect. Hadn't heard, like I said, haven't heard much about him. That's why he didn't make the initial 150. Uh, now, all of a sudden, watching his tape, uh, the biggest thing that stood out to me was seeing him play on the move. Uh, and, and the fact that he's not, he's not your brute offensive tackle that's going to really overpower guys at the line of scrimmage. He's not like Caleb McGarry, who we saw just make some utterly dominant blocks last year at Washington at right tackle. But I think he can move about as well as Caleb McGarry did. McGarry, that's why he went in the first round for his athleticism. We saw Hilbers make that backside cutoff on outside zones yes. against Cal. He got there in a hurry. He can play at the second level, so there's a lot to like from him. And at 6'7", 316, he's going to stay a tackle. I mean, you like guys. There's just not a ton of guys at the college level who have size, height, athleticism, length to stay at tackle there's just not a lot the dear lord did not make that many guys <laughs> who can play tackle in the nfl this is one of them and he's playing you love to see him grading at a high level already so a lot to like from him haven't heard a lot about him but he's gonna make the next 50 we were watching that tape and we're going through all of his run blocking snaps and then you're like okay yeah, this guy's looking pretty good and then he makes that backside block yeah you see that backside block you see a guy move like that and you know size and, and willingness to drive a guy in the mm-hmm. dirt and pancakes are kind of what gets talked about offensive linemen but athleticism is so important especially in today's you know pass happy nfl well it's not just pass happy nfl it's in the run game it's becoming more get your guys out in space yeah. you know get an offensive lineman on the move rarely are you just pounding you know the days of two tight ends and straight downhill 
are going the way of the dodo. That's just not the case. That's not what you're looking for. Most teams around the NFL are looking for offensive linemen that at the snap can get a step on a defensive uh, you know, defensive tackle, get a step on a linebacker at the next level, and make that cutoff, get guys out of gaps. That looks like Hilbert. He looks like he has that first step off the line of scrimmage that just not a lot of tackles have. Dive into numbers here. 89.0 overall grade so far this year on 257 snaps, 86.5 pass blocking grade, zero pressures allowed, and an 84.0 run blocking grade. You know what mm-hmm. we call that? That's a triple 80, Mike. That's mm. a triple 80. Um, so, yeah, Hilbert's definitely a guy to watch moving forward. They're going against USC this week. We'll get into that later. Another guy on this list that we're adding to the guide, a little undersized. I think that's the first thing I kind of took away when we kind of popped on the tape here. But Wisconsin edge defender Zach Bond has earned very, earned very high grades against mm. Michigan. You know, pops off the tape a little bit, can make some splash plays. I, I like Zach Bond, but maybe, maybe out of position. We talked about it. Yeah, so Wisconsin edge defenders in recent years, they're kind of, they have a mold for it. And it's guys who are athletic. Athletic can play, can rush the passer as well as they drop into coverage. You know, they're, they, they all kind of sit in that 6'2 to 6'4, 230 to 250 range. They don't like the bigger guys. And I think that's the way the college game is definitely going, is those players have a ton of value in terms of stopping the run, rushing the passer, and playing coverage. The versatile guys uh, help college defenses. But the NFL level is still not necessarily coming around to those guys. So you're almost going to have to pick. He's going to either have to bulk up, play off the edge, slim down, play linebacker. I think he's more of the latter. He's more of the Joe Schobert mm-hmm. than the TJ Watt when you come to recent year Wisconsin as defenders. He's more of the guy who, uh, while I love some of his pass rushing moves, uses his hands really well, uh, throws it in a spin move every now and then. You're just not going to – I have not seen him challenge anybody with a bull rush yet. He just doesn't have that. When you don't have the bull rush, you have to be pretty freakishly athletic. And I don't see it. I see him more as a guy who's going to run the four sixes. But I love the way he takes on blocks, love the way he breaks down in space. So I think this guy is a nice transition from off the edge to off-ball linebacker. Uh, I think those guys you look at uh, like you know, Dante Hightower, the Patriots, those guys are very valuable in schemes that blitz a lot. I think that's – Zach Bond, uh, not not super high draft pick. I think he's probably going to end up going where someone like Joe Schober went, which is the fourth round. But I think in a role like that, he could be a valuable linebacker in the NFL. You pop on the tape against Michigan where he played 62 defensive snaps the most in any game this year. You see him winning with his hands. He's got some juice off the edge. He's beaten these Michigan offensive tackles mm-hmm. pretty handily in the pass rush. And you're like, you know, maybe I can deal with this size. But I, I, I think I agree with you. I think him moving him into a Joe Schobert role where he still rushes the passer, yeah. but he can offer value as a coverage linebacker off the ball. You look at Joe Schobert, I mean, last night, made a great play on the ball that Browns yeah. interception. He has that level of athleticism, and you don't want to lose him in the trenches because he's undersized and, and automatically kind of at a negative you know a negative spot i think moving him to off ball linebacker makes a ton of sense but he has upside for sure as a pass rusher. Ooh, okay one don't say upside it's oh upside free yes, podcast yes. we don't know fair we, we don't know what upside means but 6'3 236 is really a no man's land in the nfl the, the amount of guys that play off Fullback. the edge <laughs> yeah the amount of guys that play off the edge at that size uh you can count on less than one hand. I'm trying to think of any that play yeah. off the edge at that size in the NFL. It just doesn't happen. You know, Von Miller said he played at about 240 uh, at times, but Von Miller is also the most athletic outside linebacker in the NFL. Von Miller's running a 4-4. Zach Bond's not going to run a 4-4. Unless you're running a 4-4, then you can play off the edge at 240. Uh, so it's rare for guys to be able to do that. He's going to have to do. He's either going to have to come in higher than we thought, like someone like Brian Burns ended up doing last year at the Combine, or move up ball. Sure, tackler too. I mean, zero four, uh, zero missed tackles, twelve defensive stops. I definitely, you know, you start to really think about that position change. Him being good. Um, going to Utah. This yes. guy is a unit. Beer belly mm. segment. Le- Lecky Fotu yes. is 
huge. Six foot five, 335 pounds, is an immovable force in the three games he's played. Dominated BYU, Idaho State, and then USC, I think, was his best game yet. Yes. They play those wide splits at USC, uh-huh. and you could just – too many one-on-ones, man. You, you do not want to be blocking this guy one-on-one if you're a Pac-12 pillow guard <laughs> like we saw. The center gets blown back on, in the passing game, too. And we don't – you know, his pass rush grades are down for a reason. He's not a guy that's going to win fast as a no. pass rusher, but he can push the pocket because yes. he's so huge. But run defense, man, he might be one of the better run defenders in the country. Yeah, he's listed at 335, and he kind of carries it well. Like, he's not this sloppy 335 where he has a gut hanging over uh, his pants. My he, favorite guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not like either of uh, us. He's <laughs> actually... Uh, Holds it fairly well. It's you know all the way throughout his frame. He's holding a good deal of muscle mass, and it's six five, long arms. I mean, he has that uh, the type of prototypical nose body that's sort of Linval Joseph type of body where you just hold guards and centers at bay all day long because it, like the actual playmaking nose tackle type of body that can actually instead of just hold up against double teams can actually make plays in the run game. And we've seen that so far. He has the highest run defense grade any defensive lineman in the country. Yep, absolutely. 86.9 overall grade so far this year. Only on 99 defensive snaps, so maybe could start playing more. He doesn't, I mean, pass rusher. He's just not a pass rusher. This is a guy that when he's translating to the NFL, you don't draft him to be like an interior pass rusher like an Aaron Donald or something. No, yeah, but I think there are there are nose tackles that are just blocks of granite that you will will not do anything in the pass rush game whatsoever, and there are nose tackles that can play the run and will at least walk some guards and centers back every now and then. At least they're going to collapse the pocket. He, to me, is the latter. He at least offers a little something. Go back to last season. He actually had 35 pressures uh, in 2018 on only 299 pass rushing snaps, which for a that's defensive good. tackle, that's I mean, it's pretty solid. Yeah. 72.3 pass rushing grade. That's at least solid enough to where you got something to work with. And he's not – he has some quickness off the snap, too. He is not just a – uh, I even go back to Danny Sheldon. He's not Danny Sheldon. I think he's a little more athletic than a guy like that. Yeah, violent, too. You saw him on that slow, Slovis hit against USC. Mm-hmm. This guy is a mean dude in the trenches, opposite of a pillow or a cupcake. Going to another guy, Oregon defensive back, Demo. Oh, Mock. you butchered it. I butchered it. I, butchered it. I, I practiced it like three times. Say it for me. Diamador Lenoir. Diamador Lenoir, the Oregon corner, five foot eleven, ranked as the number one athlete according to rivals coming out. Mm-hmm. This guy has legitimate juice. Out of high on, school. Coming out of high school. Coming out of high school. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming out of high school. But when you pop on the tape, though, there were some mental errors. There's, I mean, you're adding him to the guy. I, I think there's you know a lot of athletic, a great athletic profile, but still some sloppiness to a game. No, to yeah. his game. In my Only opinion. a junior here, uh, so he's, he can come back. He's, this isn't his last year by any means. Uh, if he doesn't want it to be started as a sophomore, uh, I, I think his game though is very much a modern NFL cornerbacks type of game, and that he's willing to come up and make plays on screens, willing to play around the line of scrimmage and enjoys the physical aspect Hard of playing nosed. cornerback. Hard-nosed, yes. But the only thing I worry about is he's listed at 5'11", 202, and really just like you put on the tape and he doesn't necessarily look. He looks, like, looks a little smaller. We'll see what he actually ends up weighing in at if this is a Kyler Murray type of scenario where maybe Uh-oh. he puts his hair up a little bit and actually checks in at 5'11". Drinks like 80 bottles but, of water. Yes, through four games this year, only 34 yards allowed in his coverage. Uh Coverage grade of 88.0, 13 targets, 34 yards allowed, and two PBUs. That's, uh, that's doing work. Yeah. Uh, you know, less than three yards per target. That's, uh, so I, I love his physicality. I love the way he attacks uh, opposing wide receivers. Uh, I'm always going to love guys like that at the quarterback position. That hard nose for sure. All right, quarterback, Wake Forest, getting added to the guide, largely because he's the highest-graded passer on throws of 10-plus yards. Mm-hmm. This guy's got arm talent to throw down the field and have some success. We watched all of his big-time throws. Those are the highest-graded throws in PFF system for Jamie Newman mm-hmm. right before the podcast. Give me your initial takes on him. Yeah, he doesn't have a great arm, but he has enough of an arm. 
And, and I just think his decision-making really got taken to the next level this year. Has actually some help there in that Wake Forest offense. Uh, I like what I've seen from him. It's obviously another small sample size if he's looked very good throwing down the field uh, in a limited action here in 2019. Uh, but, I mean, guys improve a lot. We saw it with you know Joe Burrows. Guys can improve a ton from one year to the next in college. As guys are still very in a very high uh, pr- sort of high variance developmental stage. They can, you, you can see guys make a big leap and then throws 10 plus yards downfield this year. He is 29 of 48 uh, for adjusted completion percentage of 66.7 on those throws. Those are the ones we like to see. Yeah, Here's absolutely. The, we don't care about, you know, uh, I was, someone was talking about Justin Herbert uh, on Twitter and how his completion percentage is way better. No, and his, uh, he's throwing screens more than any other quarterback in the country is mm-hmm. why his adjusted completion percentage is way better. Or the fifth of his you know, throws have been screens this year. We don't care about those. You, we expect you to hit yeah, those screens those are all day long. expected plays in PFF system. When you're going uh, down the field, not only hitting a guy accurately, but just like the wherewithal to find those guys down the field to make those throws within an offense also has value. Because there's a certain level of aggressiveness them. with it, too. Yes. You know, seeing a guy open downfield, you're willing to pull the trigger. Yes. You know, like they, they hesitancy. The Kirk Cousins the thing. Oh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So with Newman, too, we watched all of his big time throws, a lot of vertical leads, got good float on the ball over the top. Then we also yep. watched his two turnover worthy plays this year, had a bad fumble against Utah State to start. And then also in the red zone, little late. a little late on, on a pass down to the left mm-hmm. sideline. I think those two mistakes, maybe more mental mistakes than yep. lack of arm talent. But again, when you look at the high end, the eight, eight big-time throws, when a guy can complete passes at the rate he is and with yeah. the ball placement he has but, but on only downfield two, throws. The, thing is, the good thing is only two really you know, bad plays yeah. in four games. And, and they've played uh, North Carolina already. They've played Utah State already. Elon, so which is obviously <laughs> stacked on the defensive side but, uh, of the ball. But they have played a couple of – it's not just pure – cupcakes through mm-hmm. and through for the first four games for him so excited from what i've seen in 2018 still had a 75.8 passing grade it was still it's good enough it's not like he went from nobody to this to an 88.7 passing grade this year he was still all right back last season out of all those guys added to the guide i think the one i'm most excited about is hilmers i think mm-hmm. you see so much with him that athletic ability that ability to move I'm, I, I like photo and it's also I think that I like he hilmers was sitting behind first round tackle and Caleb McGarry, uh, another first-round uh, guy who had been on the would have gone in the first round if he didn't have multiple injuries in Trey Adams. That's the guys he's sitting behind. There's no shame in not starting until you're a redshirt senior yeah. if that's who your competition is. Absolutely. Let's go to what's on tap. What's on tap is a segment where we preview big matchups going into the weekend. We're going to talk about the Thursday-Friday slate for college, mm. the big Saturday slate, yes. and then also Sunday slate. We're going to be talking rookies as well. That's that two-for-one in the two-for-one drafts. Thursday and Friday – there's a couple games that we're not really looking for. A lot of prospects. You've got the Navy. Slate's not, the slate's not great. Yeah. Thursday, Navy at Memphis. We might be sleeping through that one. Maybe a couple beers. Duke at Virginia Tech. Still, even even in that conference. We'll be watching Thursday Night Football. Exactly. That's what we're going to be doing. Exactly. So. But let's, let's dive into one we're actually watching. Friday, 8 o'clock, Penn State goes to Maryland. Two, you know, two guys in Penn State specifically who've gotten some hype here and there. I want to start with Yatur Gross Matos. This is mm-hmm. a guy that I think got a lot of hype in the offseason, but when I pop on the tape, I like his versatility. Yeah, he can play inside and outside. He's got good size, but... I still don't see it. I don't see yeah. those pure pass rush wins, those quick pass rush wins for me to get excited. Yeah, for Gross Matos, it goes back to kind of what I touched on with tackles earlier, and that you only make so many guys six foot five, two fifty nine, with probably going to have something like thirty five inch arms uh, that move the way he does. You know, there's just not enough of them, and pretty much all of them play in the NFL. All the guys that meet those criteria play in the NFL now. 
Why is he not dominating college offensive tackles more? Why does he go up against Pittsburgh this past week and only get three pressure, three hurries on 47 pass rushing snaps? I just don't love his balance. I just don't think he's quite there yet in terms of the feel for the position. Doesn't look like he's a natural defensive lineman. It looks like he's still learning, uh, you know, how to approach a block, how to attack an offensive, you know, how to set him up before you actually attack and just kind of going through the motions with his moves up to this point. Uh, and so there's no shame in saying that I don't think he's quite ready to come out this year. If he does come out, I mean, again, it goes back to he he will be drafted highly just because of that physical skill set. But I just have not quite seen it on tape yet. Uh, he has 11 pressures against Idaho, Buffalo, Pittsburgh so far, 79.7 pass rushing grade, which is solid. But it's not let's get excited and draft him in the first round, which pretty much everyone's penciling him into at this I think, point. I think you made a great point about how kind of going through the motions during the play. He doesn't look like a guy who's expecting mm-hmm. things, you know, going into it and reacting positively. Last year, 25 pressures, dude. Mm-hmm. On, on 316 pass receptions, 25 yeah. pressures. Mm-hmm. That's not a guy I'm willing to take early in the draft. If you cannot create pressure at a high rate at the college level, yeah. even with all this size, all these tools, I'm, I'm very concerned. That shows a lack of polish. That shows a lack of instinct and all these things. And I still think he needs to get a little stronger. I think with that, you, you see 6'5", 259, and again with long arms, and you think bull rush all day. You know, that's Alden Smith. That's Montez Sweat. That's that kind of guy. And it really hasn't been him yet at the college level. And you look at this year, you know, you said it, you know, 79.7 pass rush grade so far. That's an improvement from what we've seen in the past. Still, though, just 11 total pressures. You need more mm-hmm. if I'm really going to start getting excited about this so It would be nice to watch against a real team. Exactly. Good, a good one to watch because he's got a lot to prove. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for this guy to kind of break out and have this game where, like, you know, people are blown away and you're seeing highlight real plays from this kid. Mm-hmm. Another guy, you know, Penn, on Penn State, offensive side of the ball, KJ Hamler, slot receiver, in the slot at the college level and the NFL level. You're never going to see a ton of wide receiver wins because they're not getting a ton of yeah. one-on-one coverage. It's a different it's a very different role playing slot receiver than playing outside wide 100%. receiver. You are uh, it is a different skill set. Um, some and it and it's very much a scheme-based skill set in terms of what uh, basically philosophically a team expects out of their slot. Andy Reid will use the slot to be a vertical threat in that offense. Tyreek Hill will play there and he'll run a lot of deep routes, which can some be guys, dangerous. Can be dangerous. Some guys will use it as some offenses will use it as an underneath sort of uh, New England's offense. They run a lot of you know, in an outbreaking route, banking from on that yards slot. after the catch, and, yeah. finding holes in zone coverage, and, and just you need that split second of separation. Tom Brady's going to find sure handedness, yeah, because you're going to get high volume in there, mm-hmm. you're running a ton of crossing routes. And, and, and stuff. some of them are got some have guys that want to run the seams. The big slot, New Orleans Saints have had it, you know, with Marcus Colston, where uh, they want to work love the seams in the slot. defense, and a guy with a hot, a big catch radius fits into offenses like that. So it's basically it's a very uh, it's a position that like I said, is very scheme-specific uh, and not necessarily the same skill set that you're looking for uh, in terms of beating uh, coverage down the field, being able to separate. That's not always the most important thing. But I will say KJ Hamler has a little speed to him. He can be the vertical threat, and he can also be that shifty guy underneath. Only a redshirt sophomore. Uh, I've enjoyed what I've seen from him so far besides some drop issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, he already has four drops. Three drops 14, against Buffalo. Yeah, 14 catchable passes. Four of them were dropped. Rough start. Had four drops last C- year. Yeah, four concerns I have with him, you know, you obviously have the drops. Four drops in the last two games. Only one forced missed tackle. You need, I, I want yards after yeah. catch ability. I want forced missed tackle ability from the slot position. And he still, he had an 89.3 receiving grade against Idaho. Four catches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. Since then, sub-60.0 receiving grades. Mm-hmm. Like another guy that... 
if you're going to want to start getting this conversation, it's more than that number one on your jersey. You're going to need to kind of step up here. Five foot nine, 173 pounds. I, I think he still has a lot more to improve, but the flashes mm-hmm. were there. You saw yes. the flashes in and week one, and I think you're willing to see that high end a little bit more. And I liked his ball skills. He went out of play That's uh, right, the, in week one the adjustment. where he, he goes up, adjusts. You know, he's going deep. Safety cuts back underneath them, high points the ball over them. Uh, not a lot of 5'9 wide receivers make a play like that. So one that does uh, automatically gets on your radar. But again, Richard Sophomore, I'd be surprised if this guy comes out. But he is definitely a prospect to watch going forward. And he's going up against a slot cornerback in Antoine Brooks from Maryland, who is on the NFL's radar as well in terms of uh, safety, uh, safety experience there, slot experience now this year more so. Uh, and that's kind of the... Those guys are being coveted more and more in the NFL, those multidimensional uh, coverage players. He has gotten lost, though, mm-hmm. a handful of times. Yes. Antoine Brooks on vertical routes in this Maryland defense, um, which is scary to me, uh, just the sheer amount. Like If you see, if you see it once on tape, I'm not going to ding a guy, but he has lost at least three vertical routes uh, over his head this so far in coverage. So him versus KJ Hamler, that will be an interesting matchup to watch because they'll go head-to-head a lot. The thing with Brooks, and we watched earlier today, you, you look at him flat-footed against vertical routes from the slot, and then he's out there chasing a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is, you know, KJ Hamler could light this guy up, and it could be huge for Hamler and really bad for Brooks, yeah. maybe taking him off NFL radar. Brooks, good size, 5'11", 210, and I, I agree with you. He can play the slot. I mean, he can play safety, but also he's going to be asked to play the slot a lot against you know three mm-hmm. wide receiver sets and four wide receiver sets. Lost, little too lost in these last couple of games. Yes. I think he so needs we'll, to bounce back in. Yeah. He'll be definitely one. Uh, it'll be definitely the matchup to watch in that game. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Arizona State. Still staying on that Friday slate. Arizona State at Cal. Some some prospects in this one. I, Cal I like. I like Cal. Cal. I like Cal. I, I think Cal's got some names that I'm, I'm starting to like a little bit more and more. Let's start with Ashton Davis, a guy that was in the first edition of the preseason draft guide for good reason, a high hurdler that is now a football player with Cal, and he shows that burst all the time on film. I think he's still learning the game, still learning to be a great football player, but he can play deep free safety. Yes. And, and you speak to guys that aren't born you know, a lot or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot of them in the world. I don't think you see a lot of guys with this kind of speed and size, 6'1", 200 pounds, and he's got some quicks. What I'm going to be looking for in this one is tackling ability because he'll probably you know Benjamin probably going to break one you're probably going to get him one-on-one with Ashton Davis can he bring him down because you know Benjamin one of the most elusive running backs in college football Arizona State back Ashton Davis his biggest sort of knock on him so far is missed tackles last year 12 missed tackles on 66 attempts this year already five excuse me four missed tackles on uh, 27 attempts so the tackling there in space with Davis, you just want to see it improve. It's not going to ever be a death knell to me, tackling. Uh, more If a guy can make plays the way he makes plays at the free safety position. Plays on the ball. Exactly. In coverage, the tackling will, I mean, it's never going to be that huge of a deal. Even Earl Thomas early in his career missed a ton of tackles. So uh, I think that'll be one to watch for me. Two pass breakups for Ashton Davis so far, a 75.4 coverage grade. He earned an 89.3 coverage grade the year before. And I think you bring up a great point. He should see Eno Benjamin one-on-one in the open field. He has 17 forced missed tackles already. This is a guy that's tough to bring down in the Pac-12. Pac-12 has a couple of those guys. We didn't get to see a ton of Zach Moss last week. Mm-hmm. But I think you know Zach Moss and Eno Benjamin, two guys that can really force missed tackles. That'll be and an interesting Weaver. to watch. Evan Weaver trying to tackle exactly. him, too. Evan Weaver, the, the guy who wears number 89 at linebacker, six foot three, two thirty-five. It was actually Evan Weaver. I watched his tape in the preseason. He was in the draft guide, and I was like, he's like, he's not a great athlete, but this dude like gets after it. He's your Football throwback player. type of linebacker. And I'm at uh, I'm at the bar with my friend Rob, and we're watching uh, the Herbies, mm-hmm. and they have this. 
it was called uh, the Herbie Award for like the most hard nosed football player. And I'm yes. like, watch this. Evan Weaver will be nominated for this award. I'm like, this guy, like, I just, if you watch him play for even a game, you're going to nominate him for an award like that. And first guy up, Evan Weaver. I'm just like, that was. That was easy money. That's fantastic. That's, that's just everyone recognizes the type of player Evan Weaver is. Having a little bit of a down year, though, uh, by his standards after 91.5. Six missed tackles. Game. He has six yeah. missed tackles already, three in this past game. That's going to hurt you a 43.2 uh, 43. coverage grade against Ole Miss. Hard nose all you want. If you're a liability in coverage at off-ball linebacker in today's NFL, you will thing. not play. You, know, you will not play for a while. That is the biggest thing with him is just athletically – uh, it's he's like in the four eight. Mm-hmm. It'll run like a four eight, and that's this is the off ball linebacker college that everyone falls in love with every year because mm-hmm. he makes a ton of t- plays against the run, hard nose, gritty. You know, he eats nails with no milk for breakfast, yeah. whatever so it is. Use all the you know whatever you want to say about this guy, but until you produce in coverage and limit missed tackles, those are two very important things. It's going to be hard to find a starting role for you outside of special teams. Okay, yeah. we don't need another Mark Herzlick in the NFL. It's a great story, hard nose, great football player, but if you're just getting torn. Down. in coverage yeah. all the time. It's going to be a struggle. I think it's a big game for him, not only tackling Eno Benjamin, but you know, defending Arizona State in coverage. Make some plays there. Get some passes broken <laughs> up. Don't allow a ton of plays underneath that whole nine yards. <clears throat> That's the Friday slate. That's the Friday slate. Now, still staying on what's on tap, the Saturday slate preview. we got three games with legitimate prospects. It was fun watching Notre Dame together, I will say. It was a little heartbreaking at the end last week. Oh, that was our was matchup to watch on last week's pod. But still a lot of great prospects of that one, even though they did ah. take the L. Uh, they did cover. That's always important. You need them to cover. That was an easy cover. We, saw, we all <laughs> yep. saw it coming, right? So Notre Dame's on the Saturday slate. Again, we got Virginia going to Notre Dame, going to South Bend. Mm-hmm. Bryce Hall versus Chase Claypool. This is the matchup to watch in this one. Uh, Bryce Hall has gotten passed up a little bit on our board after he was the highest graded corner in college, highest coverage grade of any corner in college football last year. Uh, he's now the third cornerback on our draft board. Has not had the hottest of starts uh, to this season. Gave, gave, has given up 77 yards in the last two games alone here. But I still love him in a cover three Seattle press sort of scheme. His wingspan is going to be absurd at the combine. Uh, has great range in coverage. Not your most, not your most stick-to-itive corner. <laughs> Again, to get back to that, my favorite term. He's not he's not the stickiest corner in coverage. He he has he's more he's more on the Richard Sherman scale than the Patrick Peterson, where Richard Sherman on those silo routes, he's just going to dominate you. But then if you're gonna uh, you know sort of in now he's not going to follow you all the way around the field and be able to cover the slot that sort of thing like maybe Patrick Peterson can he's do. He's not that level of athlete. He's yeah. not that twitchy. But at the line of scrimmage, Bryce Hall will beat you up. It's just in that. Virginia scheme, I think he can be better in the NFL than he is in college because Virginia scheme is a lot of off coverage, not necessarily playing to his strengths as well as it could. So I'm a big fan of his. I've heard, though, that the NFL is not as high on Hall. He didn't even get uh, a first-round grade from the uh, NFS, National Football Scouting Service, whatever. Really? Uh, So I'm a little surprised on that. Uh, maybe they're, I think that they have to be set. looking at his athletic ability. They have to be saying yeah. this guy's maybe not good enough from maybe, athletic he standpoint. Might, he might run like a 4-5 or five and not have the greatest testing. Yeah. But uh, I think in a, 
his scheme or his scheme limited, but I think in the right scheme, uh, he could be a shutdown one side of the field type of guy. Three-star recruit coming out. Had an opportunity to interview Bryce Hall before the season started. And, and the biggest thing I wanted to find out with him is how smart this guy is because he mm-hmm. looks very smart on the field, very reactive, instinctive. And the guy is really smart between the ears. I think this guy really brings coverage versatility to the table because he knows, you know, he understands the differences between mm-hmm. man and zone, how to play both and, and all that. And he was a wide receiver in high school mm-hmm. at a high school that was loaded with wide receiver talent. And so he decides to switch to cornerback. Uh, that's how he ends up at Virginia. Even though he's you know one of the best in the country, and he hasn't you know sixty one point four coverage grade to start, but he's only allowed eighty three yards on sixteen targets. Yeah. That's still very good. Zero yeah. touchdowns, always a good start. I, I mean, the, the coverage mm-hmm. grade's not there. He doesn't have that same because um, last year he led the, the NFL. Uh, yeah, he there. led he yeah. led the college football in the college football. He led college football in forced incompletions this year. Only one. He's not getting targeted a ton though. You can, you can say the college football. The Ohio State lost. The right? college they football. Didn't, you can say that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, Chase Claypool though, we didn't talk yes. enough about him. The guy's a big dude. We everyone says that first. Chase Claypool's big, but is he actually good? Okay. That's, <laughs> I need to know. Is that he is. just big? He is. He's a little more than just big. He's big and athletic. Uh, I think he's just just okay though in terms of the big receiver spectrum. He's a guy that you can get by with in you know fourth fifth round sort of guy i don't think he's anything sort of oh, so on he's a a special candidate. he's not <laughs> in the special special spectrum uh at the receiver position i just don't think he has a sort of change of direction uh type ability uh that sort of i just don't quite see it from him Five but it's sp- very physical yeah. i mean six four two twenty seven is a horse that's a huge receiver. maybe he converts tight end exactly he could be a darren waller type of guy where just keep getting him bigger and then why not uh, yeah why force him to play wide receiver when he's that big? Mm-hmm. You know, if he's that big, maybe beef him up a little bit more in the NFL and move him down to tight end, be that move tight end. But that'd be good. That that's strength for strength. Bryce Hall, size, length, wingspan. That's how he wins. Claypool. So he wins at the catch point. Claypool, guy who you know should be winning at the catch point at that size. If you're big and don't fine. win at the catch point, we've said this before. If you're big and you don't win at the mm-hmm. catch point, you're going to be a sixth, seventh rounder, maybe move tight end slash special teamer. You got a guy you put on our list too, right before here, Charles Snowden, edge defender for Virginia. You like this guy? One more, yeah, one more prospect to watch. Six foot seven, two thirty five. He is enormous. This guy, uh, skinny though. Yeah, six foot seven, two thirty five. He is an interesting prospect to watch going forward already 17 pressures uh on the season through four games had nine pressures this past week uh they drop him in coverage a lot yeah too. he was he's he plays that another like that hybrid outside linebacker type position uh but uh, this guy's kind of just another guy's just scratching the surface in terms of like you know touch on gross motto still having a long way to go still got a ways to go but dude six seven two thirty five he's He's a specimen at that the, size. These splits are insane. Six foot seven, two thirty-five. You got a, a literally the a tower out there dropping in the coverage mm-hmm. fifty-three times. It's been targeted eleven times, eight receptions, only twenty yards, zero missed tackles, fifteen yeah. stops. That's pretty He's insane. Good I like I mean, that versatility. Yeah. I might mm-hmm. have to. I'm going to dive into this guy. Interesting. You're, you're signing me up here. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, let's so go definitely to another, watch him. In yes. That matchup. Saturday slate. One of my favorites of this weekend. USC going to uh, Washington. The DBU. Washington yeah. DBU. And you got USC receivers man they mm-hmm. looked very good against utah even with fink big nose fink in there coming in as the backup qb <laughs> can't just throw fink. big nose fink um you got uh michael pittman uh, and, i mean there, like that thing he could break his nose through his face mask, dude that, he has he does have a long nose he's got a schnauz there but usc <laughs> wide receivers going to washington who has some great defensive back talent i yes. think this is going to be strength like you said strength mm-hmm. for strength there's a, this is a huge matchup to watch yeah, uh, the USC wide receivers, uh, they are up there with Bama and Clemson for the best receiving core in the country. Uh, they are the real deal. 
uh, and their best one's not even draft eligible in Amon uh, Ross St. Brown. So Michael Pittman, Tyler Vaughn's, so much talent. Now they have quarterback who's going to get it to them. Oh, that's you, the, I think, you oh. think I say, do they? <laughs> oh, I, don't, okay. I don't know. Uh, that one's more of a question mark to me. But Miles Bryant, probably the best DB in that Washington secondary. He plays slot a lot for those Washington Huskies. So he'll be going up against uh, he'll be going up against pretty much all of them. They, yeah, they, yeah, they, they play in those and guys out. around. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a good test for him. Uh, this will be fun. USC, that, uh, they are loaded with talent offensively at skill position. Michael Pittman was a guy I highlighted as a player watching last week's pod. Mm-hmm. He goes into the Utah. Proves me, not proves me right, but he has a great game. You know, 10 receptions on 11 oh, targets. Yeah, he's patched stuff on the back. For yeah, a little bit. Two, 232 receiving yards and a touchdown. Guy had did have a drop, though. I was hyping him up on the pod saying the guy only one Best drop in his career. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Drops one. I, you know, I, I smashed my keyboard. This is my second computer this week. But I, I think Pittman... And I agree with you. St. Brown, a ton, you know, ton of talent. He probably is the best from a, from a ceiling standpoint. I mean, this guy has a crazy mm. ceiling for athletically. Mm-hmm. But Michael Pittman, man, just give me a, a six foot four, two twenty. 220. You know, yeah. Good releases off the it's line physical. of scrimmage. He uses physicality along the route tree. Adjust to the ball well. To. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adjust to the ball well. All right, let's move on. Saturday slate, Minnesota, Purdue. Maybe not. Maybe no, no. Both teams are on ranks. Not maybe someone's not watching this for the right reason. So prospect potential. Two fake IDs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got two fake IDs. Yeah. The guys were on the segment in previous um, previous podcast. Our fake ID segment is where we highlight a guy that isn't draft eligible for twenty twenty, but we'd let in. You know, mm-hmm. just because he is that talented. Two receivers, Rondale. Um, Blank on that name, Rondell Moore. Moore. Yeah. Rondell Moore for Purdue and Rashad Bateman for Minnesota. Two younger guys that have excelled to start. Yeah, those guys uh, very excited on the class from wide receivers. I think this, you know, the, obviously the twenty twenty class looks like it's shaping up to be great. Twenty twenty one doesn't look too shabby Here we with go. Justin Ross already. Every year with Rondell is a great Moore already. Uh, and I think I think the tables may have turned a little bit. I think we're going to have a couple back to back that look like they could be special. Uh, but there's a lot of Purdue. Loki has like some prospects. Uh, outside of them as well. Bryson Hopkins, the tight end, 6'5", 245. Another guy who, he's going to be the next draft guy. Didn't make the first one. He'll be in this next one. Already 204 yards from him through only three games. So he's one to watch in this one for sure. And Minnesota's got a linebacker in Kamal Martin, who's going to make the draft guide as well. Uh, very athletic. Kind of plays. Uh, he's a guy who they ask him to do a lot in coverage uh, because he can. He, he can play over the slot. He can play between the tackles. So Bryson Hopkins versus Kamal Martin. Not two super household names yet, but they'll be, they'll be drafted come next April. So watch that matchup. If we're talking Minnesota, we've got to bring up the guy, Carter Coughlin who has really struggled to start. You, you look at only a 64.6 pass rush grade across 51 pass rush snaps. He hasn't rushed the passer a ton, only eight against Georgia Southern, 25 against Fresno State. Not really gave him an opportunity to get into a rhythm. You know, maybe he's just not getting into a rhythm. But you have seven, seven, <laughs> Make total, an excuse for him, yeah. <laughs> seven total pressures on 51 pass rush snaps. But this is a guy that performed really well as a pass rusher a year ago, mm-hmm. 92.2 pass rush grade in 2018. You don't see that usually just go away. I mean, it, it's really fallen off for him. It, it'll be interesting now that they're getting more into conference play if he'll start to pick things up play obviously i think that's going to start with playing more i mean 18 mm-hmm. pass rush snaps against south dakota state only 25 against fresno state and then you got eight against georgia southern i think this guy maybe still looking to get into a rhythm needs needs some opportunities he needs some opportunities mm-hmm. no and he does and this will be he'll be playing more in this game that's for sure but he was a guy who i kind of highlighted last year as a feast or famine type of candidate at the edge defender he would just murder some tackles had some games, had three three games with pass rushing grades over 90 where guys just couldn't handle his speed because he's pretty twitchy for an edge defender, undersized at 6'4", 245. That's a good inside counter uh, when tackles overset. 
but he just would disappear then when an offensive lineman could actually match him step for step athletically. So to me, I really haven't seen. I was looking for a next step in terms of being able to win with more than just that. And I mean, he hasn't he hasn't even won so far yeah. this year. So he has not obviously been not proven that he can win with more than just that at this point. On the opposite side of things, Tyler Johnson had a rough start, a drop in against South Dakota State, and then kind of a. Uh, an average game against Fresno State. Mm-hmm. He blew up against Georgia Southern. Ten receptions, 140 yards, three touchdowns. Had some nice shake on those. What you know? What's I'm not your worried. feel? I'm not worried about. Yeah, Tyler you can't Johnson. be. You know, like that. The the little slow start I, is it's gone for me now. It, it's oh. in the past. I, I I still believe in his route running ability. Now I just need to see uh, no no more drops the rest of the year. I, I need to see his hands consistently. Uh, better than they were last year. 10 drops on 88 catchable last year. Only one drop on 19 catchable this year. Let's keep that going. That's just, just something you hate to build see. Build a little bit more uh, because he had drops every single year. You know, go to back to 2017, seven drops on 42 catchable. He just, he has consistently dropped the football, <laughs> but we've seen guys fix it over time. So yeah. if he fixes it now, it's going to give me more, uh, be more excited about his NFL prospects than if he fixes it, you know, year three. A guy that can just beat the doors off someone in one-on-one coverage, create separation yeah. at will, He's, but has a drops problem is the worst. You, you hate to see that. You know, Deontay Johnson, even guy who could separate well, had a little bit of a drops problem with Toledo. Mm-hmm. Amari Cooper has had his fair share of drops, but can create separation at an elite level. Yeah. And Tyler Johnson, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to Amari Cooper, but can create separation at will. Has a ton of open throws, open targets, mm-hmm. but will drop. You know, these mental open drops that are his, you know, yes. a concern. His very much so. Some guys, uh, I go back to someone like Noah Fant, who I thought his drop problems were because he just wasn't tracking the ball well. Like he was, he was catching it off his chest plate more often than he was That's catching it in dip, his hands. That's a good differentiator, though, to look at if drops a, differently. If a guy is, you know, has, goes out with two hands, puts them both on the ball, and it slips through his hands, it happens sometimes. And uh, it's more the way you attack up the ball, field, the way you track the ball. That's what matters to me. That, to me, is going to be a better predictor of success. Yeah, you than, got no fan of uh, their stretched out elbows. It's never going to work. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, that's going to conclude our kind of our what's on draft for the college level Friday and Saturday slates. We're going to rookies now. Sunday slate, yes. I think some good matchups. Maybe this the first one we're going to bring up maybe isn't a great matchup, but I think it's a huge God. opportunity to have a bounce back uh-huh. game. Garrett Bradbury of NC State, the rookie who's a great outside zone blocker. People raved about that. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. Has really struggled as a you know as a pass blocker, and now he's going against Akeem Hicks and company. The Chicago Bears coming up this week. That's going to be very tough matchup. I, I don't know. They're not. I mean, Maybe the Minnesota Vikings aren't throwing the football as much because they know they're just going to get eaten alive yeah. with Garrett Bradbury. No, I mean, they are the run-heaviest team in the NFL right now. And it's because, well, the past the game when they, when they are dropping back to pass, it hasn't necessarily worked. And a lot of that was because week one they just like were smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this week against the Raiders. When, yeah. when, when one team gets out to a huge mm-hmm. lead, it's going to put you in a weird But even against the Packers, they were a little hesitant to just, when they had to come back, a little just open it up and throw Kenny the football Clark. because they were getting murdered on the interior. Uh, you just need to see it start turning around with Bradbury. You see nice reps in the run game. Uh, I think he's still, uh, still still be fine there. I don't really necessarily worry about him, but I did. I knew it when it was when the day he was drafted with the Minnesota Vikings. He was going to the most difficult place in the NFL to play center of the NFC North. Damon Harrison, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, Man. Kenny Clark. You have three of the top five-ish nose tackles in the NFL right Damon now. Damon Harrison matchup is going to be insane. And so you are just another, you know, last week it was Kenny Clark. or the Last week it was, I guess, they had the Redskins this past week. But this next week you got Eddie Goldman on deck for you, and that's just that's a tough matchup. Eddie Goldman has length, size. Uh, we'll see how it goes for him. 
I am nervous. I'm nervous for him. I'll mm-hmm. say that right now. And you look at, I don't think he's going to get benched, but you look at what the Cincinnati Bengals are starting Trey Hopkins at center. Billy Price has big struggles in pass protection, and they benched him. They moved him into guard this week, though, to start ahead of Michael Jordan, the other mm-hmm. rookie out of Ohio State. He played a little bit better, but his woes in pass protection were reason enough for Zach Taylor, who wanted to run a little bit of a pass-heavy offense, to put Hopkins in there, who is one of the highest-graded pass-blocking centers in the NFL right now. I think pass-blocking woes, even if you are outstanding in, in the, the outside zone scheme, can be a lot. Ability. Yes. Um, yeah. So we got to talk Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. What are they calling him now? I don't even know what they're calling him. Danny, I don't know. But he Daniel- just seems like though, like the, his personality and what he looks like, you can't have a nickname. Exactly. Like he's just he's just, he's just Daniel, Daniel Jones. Jones. Like he's not even. Might even Dan. need to throw the middle name in there. He's just, yeah. <laughs> He is Daniel Jones. That, well, talking to me about this performance, I think a lot of people are raving about it. a big comeback win. I think he showed great poise in the pocket, had that running touch, you know, that touchdown to kind of you know, help things there. I think Daniel Jones played at a very high level, but there were still some mistakes. You saw the fumble. Still, you know, there's a reason why his passing grade isn't the best in the NFL. I think he still had some mistakes. Yeah, I, the fumble I think is kind of. He's gonna. He might have some fumbles because he's almost oblivious in the pocket. I, I yeah, love yeah. his pocket presence coming out and that he was willing to make tight throws. But now it's almost like was it was it that he was willing to do that from tight pockets or he's was he just great, literally great just like presence. could not like <laughs> did not understand that there were pass rushers bearing down on a him. blessing and a curse exactly because like if you if you just never think you're, you're going to get hit you're going to stay in there to make those yes. big throws and but also does. at the same time you're going to have that ball hanging low and someone's going to be yes. swiping ready to, ready at the same time they, they had I mean Nate Solder got his butt handed to him this past week. Uh, by Shaq Barrett there. That was not uh, – I don't think that's going to happen every week. So I think you get the offensive line going to turn around against the Redskins, whose pass rush is lackluster up to this point so far. So I do think that – I think we're in for more of the same. I honestly said it after the preseason. My opinion of him has changed a ton since college. Uh, I wasn't nearly as down on him as everyone else. I didn't think – I said after you know the top ten, he wasn't even – he was not – by any means the worst pick in the top 10. I would have rather had him than a couple of guys who ended up getting drafted in the top 10. And after seeing him in the preseason, seeing him through this game, I think we'll be looking at the real deal. I still don't love his accuracy. I still think there are some decision-making uh, things with him that can improve uh, with the ball down the it's football field. I don't think he's going to be, uh, I don't think he's going to be light the world on fire down the football field type of guy like a Patrick Mahomes. I just don't think he's going to be that as a deep passer, but I think in the intermediate, underneath, getting the ball where it needs to go and getting the ball there quickly avoiding a lot of negative plays, he's going to be good at that. So I do think this – I think Gettleman's looking a lot smarter than a lot of other wow. people. Wow. Even, even if it was uh, backing into it some way. But yeah. I, I do think that a lot of people are going to eat crow in this. Daniel Jones looks pretty legit. Looking at his splits, pressure versus under pressure, 16 completions for 254 yards and a touchdown under pressure, mm-hmm. no interceptions. He did have the fumble, obviously, but I think – that you know that kind of production under pressure from a rookie, you speak to that blind pocket presence, that's going to help you. Yes. That's going to help you a ton. Because if you're scared and your feet start to move a little bit quickly, it's going to force you sometimes into more bad decisions than if you just st- stay in there and just get rocked. And I think I said it on draft night. I said it's actually going to be easier for him. Like What I saw in the Duke offense was, one, an offense that's not really – it was not a modern sort of – a lot of college guys put up these big numbers because they're running modern spread schemes. He was running pro-style concepts with not pro-style talent. And a lot of pro-style concepts work when you have more talent than the other team and he had less talent every single game that he played there basically at duke and so it was going to immediately get better for him at the next like it was immediately going to be easier 
uh, you know, going up against Clemson like he did last year was going to be way harder than any team he faces, you know, this upcoming year with the Giants just because, uh, you know, you have NFL-level talent. The parity at the NFL is so much more – there's so much more parity than there is in college football with some of the programs. So I do think that the game is literally probably easier for him right now than it was at Duke at times. And he's going against Washington Redskins, who have one of the worst pass-rushing defenses in the NFL mm-hmm. right now, a struggling defense. Like This is an opportunity to have an even bigger game than before because Buccaneers' defense is at least playing a little bit better than yeah. it was last year. Pass no, rush like looks a lot was... better. And I think, I think this defense might be a little bit easier for him. You can see even a bigger game. Last Sunday matchup to watch, this rookie. It's rookie on rookie. Well, two-for-one yes. action. Brian Burns versus Titus Howard. Brian Burns has played really well to start, mm-hmm. winning pass blocks quick. Uh, or yeah, winning pass rush snaps quickly. I think Brian, you saw him against Arizona, but I mean, you almost got to sometimes throw out tape for pass rush against Arizona. <laughs> like these these tackles, man. I, I mean, I threw a clip on Twitter. I probably saw it. Yeah, beating you know beating that guy like he did. That pass set was woeful. Yeah, I mean, the guy uh, turned into a pretzel about yes. halfway through. He was, and it was, was maybe on, it was that one on head fake by Burns that got him tied up. But I mean, again, it doesn't always <laughs> look that easy. I swear. Yeah. I know he's fast. And I know he's got nice moves. But Brian Burns was like unblockable against Arizona, mm-hmm. largely because no one there was blocking really well. So yes. I think Brian, Brian Burns going against Titus Howard, though, it's another matchup where I really see Brian Burns winning. I, I think so. I mean, Titus Howard looked a little bit better this past week against the Chargers at tackle rather than guard i think that was where he i mean he played right tackle at alabama state like that was where he played learning a new position kicking inside a guard or trying to learn left tackle is just difficult for a lot of guys so keep him as most natural position right tackle look better this past week still gave up six hurries still the 59.4 overall grade against the chargers tough tough ask though mm-hmm. and joey bosa melvin ingham that Chargers defense wasn't the easiest thing in the world for him to do but he definitely looked better at tackle so this would be a fun one Brian yeah. Burns. I'm still giving that matchup to Two Burns. Two good rookies. Yeah. I, I think, still give I think it to Burns, Burns is well. going to have a really good game. Because yeah. I think, you know, what I've seen, uh, I've been paying close attention to Burns. He's getting better every game, starting to learn, understand mm-hmm. things a little bit more. All right. That's going to conclude What's on Tap, where we preview all the prospects and rookies ahead of the weekend. Let's chug a prospect, a guy that yes. we don't need to watch any more tape of. Mm-hmm. I want you to just go all in, tell me everything you know, chug this to the last drop. Chase Young, give it to me. Chase Young, go back to the draft guide. Here's what I wrote on him. Young's blend of size, length, power, quickness, and flexibility is rare. Oh, and he's already got a full toolbox of pass rushing moves. It would be a shock to me if he's not a top five pick next spring. And honestly, he looks more explosive this season than I even thought he did last year. Stop. I mean, that's, that's usually how it works, but he was already you know, freakishly explosive. I compared him to Alden Smith because uh, that was my comp for him just because the size length was just so prodigious, and he was, you know, he was so good at using both those things that, I, that that made the most sense to me. But realistically now, he is far more explosive than even Alden Smith was coming out. This Man. guy looks – I mean, no one's can't miss. This guy's can't miss. Uh, last season, he had 11 sacks, 14 hits, 50 hurries. True sophomore. That's the triple-double as a true sophomore. Led the nation in pressures as sophomore. And already this year, uh, he looks even better. Uh, he has seven sacks through seven sacks through four games, eight hurries, one a hit, and that's on only eighty-one pass rushing snaps. Sixteen pressures on eighty-one pass rushing snaps, and but his the, pressures are huge wins. Like you watch the, quick. yeah, they're quick right off the snap. He's beating. He makes pass you know rushing mm. the passer look easy. He is ninety-four point nine pass rushing grade right now. If he finishes the year, that'll be the highest we've ever given to an wow. edge rusher uh, in college football. He looks. 
he's on Miles Garrett level of wow. explosion. That's so I said Alden Smith for a season. Right now, I'd probably put more in the Miles Garrett sort of just too call. too big to fail, too big, too fast, too strong to fail. Is that is that a saying? I like uh, it. We're I kind of like it. We're going to coin that as a saying. Too big, too fast, too strong to fail. He just is. He has it all. Anything they said you the ask same thing about me coming out of high school. <laughs> but then, like, I got into you know drinking a lot more than I should. <laughs> it's it's a long story. Let's not get into that on cam. Um, that's the, I like that. I think I couldn't agree more with Chase Young. I almost don't have anything else to add. You know, he's that mm-hmm. good. I, I think you know whatever you said. Too big, too fast, too amazing to fail. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I think Chase Young looks very, very good. I agree. If you turned off the tape now, he grabbed an agent, went down to Miami, and just partied for the rest of the, you know rest mm-hmm. of the season. I think you'd still be going top five. Let's go to last call. Last call segment where we talk about if they we're going to watch one matchup this weekend. If we're going to watch one game. Where are we heading? I'll start. USC going against Washington. I need more Pittman. I need him. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. I'm ready to watch more. He's going against Just, a very good secondary. You you get locked in on guys. I'm not. This isn't going to be. Uh, yeah. Don't take this as criticism. Yeah. But you've got you've gotten locked in on some guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and gotta, you I, have to. And you I, you're like an I, addict. You're like you're, I need more. I need, I need more. To see them more. I, I'm a, maybe I'm addicted to Michael Pittman. <laughs> if he proves me wrong, though, I'll lock out. Yeah. I'll be unlocked. But yeah, I'm ready to watch Michael Pittman. I, I'm Keep really excited. That's all I'm saying. This, yeah. Free your minds. Yeah, exactly. Be, I'm ready to free my mind. But I'll, I'll be definitely watching Pittman versus Washington. Give me your last call. My last call is just Daniel Jones. That was about as encouraging of a first start from a quarterback as a rookie. I can't remember in recent memory. Just in terms of executing NFL offense. He looked very prepared to do so. Do it again, and then do it again. And then, I mean, we could be witnessing something special here with him if he does continue to do that. I mean, I'm obviously going to be skeptical of anyone coming out for first year, you know, with the small sample size sort of thing with him. But the dude looks legit. All the people laughing at the pick way back when, I think – not looking, they're a little on the hot yeah. seat. One they're, game they're sample like, size. They're, they're, they're refreshing old takes exposed on Twitter and just praying that they just don't see praying. their face. Yeah, so. I, mean, I mean, PFF wasn't super high on him either. We came out as a oh, yeah. you know, third-round prospect. I think we, we could be eating some of our words, I, too. Yeah, I, if you, I regret that Yeah, very if you much start now. to see him you know, turn a one-game sample size into something I'm bigger. Go yell at Steve Palazzolo. Let's, like, let's do it. All right, well, that's going to conclude two-for-one drafts. This is our fifth episode. It feels like yeah. it's going by so fast. But if you, you know, tune in on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're going to be reviewing. It's our sixth episode. Yep. Sixth episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sixth episode. Sorry. Sixth episode, Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to be on Stitcher, Out Podcast. You know that. Subscribe and download. But until next time, this has been Austin Gale and Mike Brenner. I'm Super Lord Gale.